Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Linda and Richard Ayer on Ayers on the Road. We're back again. We're glad to be with you today. I'm especially happy today, Linda, because we're going to be talking about, well, we're going to base this talk on a book that you wrote a few years ago and it's a marvelous book. It's one of my favorites that I've ever seen, that I've ever read, that I've ever experienced. Let me introduce it. Linda, the great author of the book called A Joyful Mother of Children. I'm going to kind of interview you about your book. I'm going to pretend like I'm the, you know, host and you're the guest. Well, this this book has quite a story behind it. Um <laughs> Originally, I wrote it when I was pregnant with our seventh, eighth child. <laughs> and um, boy, it's a whole different thing. And then I did a sequel to it 16 years later when our children were teenagers. So it's a totally different book. It is really. So I want to ask you this, Linda. When were you the most joyful mother? When you were pregnant with your eighth child? or when your youngest child was 12 years old? <laughs> when were you the most joyful? You know, it is so interesting that you'd ask that because we were just with our daughter in Arizona whose kids are growing up. Three of them have left home now. They've gone to college and they just have two left and she is just mourning not having those little kids anymore that there was nobody to carve, carve pumpkins this year and and they're just not the excitement that it, that there was when her kids are little but what i was thinking is oh my goodness i was so glad to get past that i'm sure i, I mean i treasured it. it was wonderful she calls it the golden years and it is the golden years when your kids are little but it is so hard it is so hard to deal with what's going on and as i was reviewing some of this some of the messes that occurred at our house were unbelievable. Just some days were indescribable as far as how hard it was. Well, this book, Linda, is now uh, available for free online. And it's just all you have to do to get it is go to Ayer's Free Books and scroll down till you get till you get to a joyful mother of children. But I, you know, I've been reading through it again today and thinking back on that wonderful time when you wrote it. And the first question I have for you is why the title? Why did you decide to call it a joyful mother of children? Well, were you trying to convince yourself? I was trying to convince myself. <laughs> no, there is so much joy in having little children. I did write a book a few years later, which many of you may have heard of just because it applies to your life so much more maybe than the joyful mother and that is i didn't plan to be a witch but that is a later book that that's so if we put those two bit. titles together they, they actually form a kind of an interesting sentence i didn't plan to be a witch because what i would really like to be is a joyful mother of children <laughs> right <laughs> so those two books that you wrote kind of juxtaposition but you know having little kids at home is so joyful they're so darling they're so fun and you know they just keep you on your toes you don't get much sleep but it is so fun and i remember going to a play in new york city when i was started writing this book and it's written in the first part of this um we were 
we went to this play and the star of the show was playing an aspiring songwriter who'd been having a great deal of trouble feeling confident about her lyrics and her new song. And finally, in exasperation, she exclaims, I just can't make this come out right. It's absolutely no good. I can't do anything. I might as well quit and go work in some daycare center. I remember that. That That made you so mad. That was the motivation for you to write this book. You were so angry. (laughs) I was just so upset because a daycare center truly is hard, a hard place, but it is the most important place that anyone could work. You're formulating little lives before anybody else. That's so funny because I came to that same place when I was reading through it, honey, and I but I must say, I want to say right at the outset, the only credit I take for this book, you happen to mention it in the preface, because it starts out by saying, for my birthday last year, my husband gave me Wednesday. I know, I <laughs> did remember that too, and it was wonderful. You better describe I, what that I means. I was so hassled. I was so hassled in those days. I mean, there was just so much going on. We had seven little kids, and the oldest was... Twelve or so, and it is absolutely, and I'm only thirteen. But anyway, it really was a time <laughs> when I was just at my wits' end. And one time, I just said to you, "I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I have got to have some time for myself." And we, I might read a a little something about that later. But it really was a time when I thought I was going crazy. And I gave you Wednesdays. And Richard said, "I will just come home on Wednesday." Now, how many husbands can do that? Some can. Some can. Well, there's more and more, actually, that can do it today. I I was in a situation where I could work at home, and I just said, listen, you know, you have been unbelievable as a full-time parent for many years, and I am so grateful to you, and I'm going to give you Wednesdays and all. I mean, that sounds stupid in a way because we should be equal partners. No one should be giving anyone anything. I mean, well, yeah, we but, should all give to each other. But the idea was I can be there all day Wednesdays, and you can go do your own thing. And well, I was writing this book. Essentially, what you did is wrote the book. Yeah, I wrote the this book. The book was written on Wednesdays. And I don't want you to think that this was a glamorous writing this book, because what that often <laughs> meant was driving away in our old gray van with uh, two captain's chairs in the front, two regular chairs, and then a whole big back open with benches and, and shag carpeting. And I that went was to your the, office? That was my office. I went to the nearest park, and I parked, and I stayed there all day. I don't, I think I must have taken lunch with me. Maybe I went and out were for you lunch. Writing, I should have gone out Were you lunch. writing on a computer then, or were you writing with, with I was with writing by hand in those On days. a yellow legal pad yeah, or something. We did not have computers in those days and it was or if we did absolutely you, you weren't riding with them it yeah. was so fabulous and by the time i got home you were so much more handsome <laughs> the kids were so much cuter i mean it was no, really i was so amazing. much more appreciative of what you did every day <laughs> you were I much mean, everyone more appreciative should do that they day. should switch it up and we live in a world today when so often both people both are, parents are working, are working. absolutely and we were both working then, but a lot of your work in writing and music and so on was at home, and I was out, and boy, it did me a lot of good to stay home. But I wanted to just also ask you, um, your first subtitle in the book is more challenging than we could have ever known. Do you think that's usually true for moms? I mean, you were really kind of aiming this 
And new moms, new parents. I was because I was about to be a new parent for the second time, eighth time. And it really is more challenging than we can imagine and more joyful than we can imagine. But Um, I want to just throw this in, too, because your second subtitle was The Refiner's Fire. What did you mean by that? And why, why do I still hear people talking to you and saying, Thanks for teaching me about the refiner's fire. You better explain that. Well, you know, I I went I went to a a place where they were making pots one day. It was a field trip or something, and I was during this harried mother time, and I saw them make these beautiful pots, and and then there were the pots that were the clay, and then they were kind of dull and beautiful, beautiful. But then they put it in the fire. And it was so polished and, and hard and so on. And they explained how important it was to put something in the fire to make it last. And I thought, this is what motherhood is all about. You know what? It forms you. It yeah. makes you into sometimes an ugly gray pot. <laughs> and then and then you can put decorations on it and so on. But then you put it in the fire and it becomes strong. Well, and that fire sort of melts out the impurities. It is absolutely remarkable what motherhood does to you. And I feel like it is the refiner's fire. There's so much that you learn from day one with a new baby that's not sleeping through the night or is colicky to a six-year-old who's whining all the time and driving you crazy. And then the teenagers who really need your help but don't won't accept it. And, you know, all those things come from kids refining you. I mean, I was the beneficiary of having those children. You know what I love about how you wrote this book, honey, is that it's mostly stories. It's just sort of one story after another. And the stories, you may want to comment on this, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but the stories were not tied up in a neat little bow. I mean, they weren't, here's a story which will show you exactly how to do this or how to succeed in this, or this is a story that will make you a great mom. In fact, they were often stories about your frustration and about how hard it was and about how you didn't know if you were going to make it or not. And I think, and I think, I think readers loved how real it was and is. Yeah, I, you know, there are depressing days. There are days when you think you've done everything wrong and that can't possibly made, be made right again or that your kids hate you after all you've done for them. And there are just so many discouraging days, but that's part of the fire. That is part of the trials that we have to go through as mothers to really be polished and learn so many great lessons of life. Now, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but I there, one of the stories in, in this book, which I have heard people ask you about over and over and over or laugh with you about, and it's, it's really interesting because it's in the section that you call Life is Fragile, Handle with Prayer. And it has to do with getting locked out on a balcony. <laughs> I think oh, you should tell man. that really quickly because it is a wonderful story in itself, but it also is a metaphor for how, you know, how it feels. Oh, my goodness. I, <laughs> it was Mother's Day. We'd been gone for the week somewhere, and we had just pulled in the garage and gone into the, into the house, and uh, kids had to sing a song at church and for Mother's Day. And I put a couple of little kids in the bathtub. 
no, I put our two-year-old the bathtub, and then I sent my three-year-old out to get the songbook in the car. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, because I didn't have it, and uh, she didn't come back and didn't come. Then she came back and said it's not there, and um, so she got in the bathtub too. And so I went out to find the car. I find the book, the songbook, and then I lock myself out. So two little kids in the bathtub with the with the tub. Running, turned on, the tub hot was still water. running. Yeah, yeah. They were getting hotter and hotter. Well, let me finish Sorry, telling the okay. story. I mean, I'm into this. Anyway, so the bad thing was I was in this really ratty nightgown, and <laughs> the only way to get to the bathroom was to walk around the balcony, which was totally exposed to the whole neighborhood. And I just, you know, swallowed hard and I got to do it. So I went around there, and I tapped on the window, and I said, Saren, get out of the tub. Get out of the tub. She says, Mom, it's getting hotter. <laughs> You're <laughs> tapping what I on the window. Hear. You're trying to talk to her through the window. Yeah. Saren, get out of the tub. Finally, she, she just kept saying, but I, I, it's getting hotter. Honey, get out of the tub. Come to the door. Let me in. And I, there was a sliding door on the balcony. So she got out of the tub. Which she could unlock from the inside. Well, she, she, she could never unlock. Oh, right, right, right. And yeah. it was very complicated. You have to push on the lever to make it open and so on. So I was so relieved to see her come. I could kind of feel the windows of our neighbors and the curtains <laughs> parting, watching me have this the horrendous experience. And finally, she hit the right spot on the button, and it opened, and I went flying in there, and there was little Shawnee, uh, two. Like a lobster. Oh, my goodness. She was a little <laughs> red, and the, there was a little toy boat bobbing around her nose in the tub. It was getting pretty high. It would it wouldn't have drowned her, but it would have run over, and she was too hot. Anyway, I pulled her out, and I sat those girls on both my knees on the toilet next to the bathtub, and just, I was so grateful. And suddenly, I realized... This is how Heavenly Father feels. Yeah, that's what I love. Is this that is metaphor. how Heavenly Father feels. You, you know, he he can't open the door. We have to open the door. Because he's given us this agency. He's given us this agency. We have to open the door and to rescue ourselves. He wants to help us so badly. He wants to rescue us from the hot water. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, it really was an amazing learning experience for me. So that's just one of so many stories. We're going to take a brief break, come back. I'm excited to just listen to you tell more about what it means to be a joyful mother of children. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back, Richard and Linda Iyer on Iyer's on the Road. We're talking about an interesting title today. What does it mean to be a joyful mother of children? I'm sort of the interviewer today. We're talking about Linda's book, A Joyful Mother. And as you think back on it, Linda, what's what do you what do you want to say? What was the most did you learn something from writing this book? Or was it just a way to sort of pull together what you were experiencing at the time. Oh, no, I was going through really hard things every day. And the hard part was staying calm in the face of adversity. (laughs) It was was so hard to figure out how to do that because somebody was yapping at my my heels, so to speak, um, every minute and to remain calm. And I remember one father saying, um, "Is, is all this arguing normal he's the mother was 
a mother of seven came from a mother of 12 and he was an only child. And he's saying, are you sure this is normal that all this arguing goes on all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I am sure this is normal. But I do remember deciding on a plan. I decided that I was going to go into the bathroom in the morning, hopefully after having said a quiet prayer, but not always. But The one place you could actually, could close, actually the go, door close the door and, and lock it yeah. and so that I do it. So I would just look in the mirror and say, no matter what happens to me today, I know I'm going into a hurricane. I know that. I know that without starting. But no matter what happens to me today, I'm going to remain the calm center of that storm. The eye of the storm. The eye of the storm. I am going to be so calm. And so in the meantime, the kids are beating on the door saying, I they need know where money. You are. I've lost my shoes. <laughs> they can smell where you they are. Can, well, excuse your <laughs> well, pun on I mean, that. But anyway, it really it was really amazing what that did for me. And that worked about 35% of the time, you know, I could, I could think that and then remain calm, but not always. It just, it wasn't a perfect fix, but it was a way to change my mind about the way I was walking into the day every day. Well, I rem what I love about what you said there is your, your realization as a young mother that uh, you don't become a good parent by changing your children. You become a better parent by changing yourself and you, right. and I remember this in actual fact, not only from what I'm what I'm reading today, but I remember your, I guess I'd call them, you know, your disciplined and deliberate efforts to control yourself. And you even put a, 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 I'm looking at a chart you put in the book about a child, what the problem is, what your reaction usually is, and what you're now going to do instead. So, so the child is Jimmy. The problem is he won't mind. Your, your initial reaction is exasperation and anger, and your plan for a better action is establish a special reward for minding without being reminded. And then it goes on through several different ones. Um, I like this one. Angie worries about ridiculous things and won't be consoled. And so my reaction, I expect her to accept my easy solution and then get caught up in an argument when she won't agree so my plan for a better action, I'm going to treat her worries seriously. I'm going to actually sit down and listen to her and offer an alternative solution. And I'm not going to be dragged into the argument. So, I mean, it was almost like you were role-playing with yourself. You were almost sort of doing a case study. Here's what's going to happen. And when it does, instead of doing what I usually do, I'm going to do this instead. And then you actually did. Yeah, it does make a difference. We had a daughter who I can't imagine now that she was the whiner of the world, but she was such a whiner and such a worrier. And she always thought she had cancer every day. I mean, because apparently she she'd experienced cancer with her friends or with her friends' families or something. And so it was in her mind all the time that she had cancer. I mean, we all have been exposed <laughs> to that. So she would she would come whining about everything, but when she's whining about, my eyelash hurts. I think I have cancer with the eyelash. I'm like, honey, honey, I mean, please. You know, I would just get so upset because she's doing this every day all the time. And instead... I decided on a different plan, a different way to react to her. And that's what it's all about with parenting, I think. Thinking it through in advance. Thinking it through and then deciding to react differently because we always react the same, right? We just get, oh, for goodness sake, 
don't be so worrisome. Don't be so this and that and the other. And it, all they want is some little sympathy. So again, in working on yourself, I, I love this part where you say, um, a lot of times when we're dealing with children, the best solution is to do one of two things. One, force ourselves to become more calm or swallow the anger. Or two, laugh at it. <laughs> And then, and then you're, I, you should really read these two paragraphs because I just laughed out loud when I read them because they're such a perfect illustration. One night at bedtime, I clearly being, abs- clearly, I remember, clearly. I remember clearly being absolutely furious with our four-year-old who had pushed me to the absolute edge. I grabbed him by the shoulders and started to shake him and scold him vehemently. Suddenly, he looked in my face and let out a peal of laughter. That made me even more angry to think he would laugh in the face of such wrath. And I shook harder. I wasn't really shaking. No, you were just looking at him and you were mad. (laughs) Another peal of laughter. Finally, I blurted out, what are you laughing about? Mommy, you look so funny, he (laughs) roared. And his little brother in the other uh, bed, who had been looking on with unbelief, started to laugh too. I thought for a minute about how ridiculous I must look. And then... Though I tried not to, I broke up too. Soon the other children heard us laughing and came running in to find out why. None of us could ever explain. We just laughed until our sides hurt. (laughs) I mean, that is, sometimes (coughs) laughter breaks the tension and makes it a whole different story. Well, there's an old saying, you, you used to use this and I picked up on it where, where you, and it was always true. It was a formula. La, or, excuse me, crisis plus time equals humor. <laughs> so it's not very funny when five of the kids spill their milk at the same meal, but looking back on it, we always laugh. Yeah, it's really true. It's best to laugh. And I'm so proud of that little boy that could laugh in the face of my anger. You know, you'd gone through this book a little before we started the show today, and I had too. And what amazes me is we're turning to the very same places. This is a poem you wrote. Are you going to read it? I well, think I'm not going to read all of it. It's a bit long, but you'll get the idea. Um, the title is Lonesome. For weeks, it seems I've been cleaning cupboards, cleaning floors, cleaning faces, cleaning sores, sorting clothes, sorting needs, sorting garbage, sorting please. Mending armholes, mending ceilings, mending knees, mending feelings, cooking cakes, cooking corn, cooking self, cooking worn, getting stepped on, getting messed on, getting oozed on, getting bruised on. And then I've talked about how I'm just surrounded with all of these crazy things by children, arguing children, creative children, begging children, laughing children, practicing children, crying children, caring children, demanding children, and talkative friends, concerned friends, interested friends, dinner friends, tennis friends. And then I'm just going to go to the end. And through it all, I feel something uneasy. Not really depression or confusion or insecurity, but some. I think just mostly loneliness. How strange with all that. Lonely? Yes, lonely for myself. Time to think and create and analyze all the things that I've been dealing with. A real feeling, just like being homesick. Because once I'm back, I'm new again, secure again ready to go again. And I think that's one of the underlying messages of this whole book, Linda, is you got to take care of yourself. You've yeah. got to recharge. I have always advocated a day away for mothers who are home with children. I mean, mothers who work probably need it worse because they're trying to juggle two 
really massively important things, but I really think it's important for a mother to get away, to get out of the house and like away, go away and stay in a hotel. I remember once <laughs> um, I, you were, you had gone on not a vacation, but a business trip and I was home hassling with the kids and uh, somebody, I was standing there with a friend and you called and said, Linda, it's time for you to have a day away. I am calling the comfort inn or whatever it was yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. close to our house <laughs> and you've got a room for tonight. And so just go down there and spend the whole day tomorrow, do whatever you want. No one will call you. No one will bother you. Right. Go shopping, do anything you want. And the girl sitting next to me said, oh, oh, is this a trial separation? It's like, no, I'm just, my husband's so great. He's just having me. He's going to take care of everything for me. And I'm going to go for a day away. And I can't tell you what that did for my soul. And I'm still thanking you for that because it was so amazing. I could do anything I wanted. And not only that, I could lay down a pencil on the desk in my hotel room and go to the bathroom and come back. And it would still the pencil be was there. Still there. It would still be there. It was, never happens at home. <laughs> I think it was such a renewal. And I think every mother needs to do that more than once a year. I mean, this was like usually once a year, more than once a year, because it's so important to get your life in perspective. I think some of the best part, some of the best writing you did in this book and some of the best advice you continue to give mothers has to do with two, two really interesting words, simplifying and being flexible. And you, you know, I love how you put details in. I mean, remember the time when the kids were, we were trying, we had tried everything to get them to clean their rooms. I mean, everything. We had gone to great lengths involving bribery, involving threats, involving, you know, you can't leave till this room's clean, involving throwing all the stuff on their beds and they couldn't go till they put it all away. And then you came up with this thing that was the extreme solution, which is we won't leave anything in your room that you can mess up. <laughs> yeah, we remodeled our laundry room. We, we, had we actually units. We had units so that everybody had their clothes went straight from the washer to dryer to their unit downstairs, and all their clothes were right there. And it wasn't allowed to have it in their room. Then they had nothing to mess up. Yeah. And then you fun. talk about flexibility and how, how you can't, as a mom or as a dad in a busy environment with children, you can't always make things happen just like you want them to because kids are spontaneous and they have learning moments that you didn't anticipate and you've got to be flexible. You've got to be serendipity. And you know what? I think flexibility is even more important as your kids get older. Teenagers, that's, I think the reason a lot of people lose teenagers is because you become so rigid in laws and things that they have to do and so on without acknowledging some of their problems that we just it and with in-laws with with life it really has become a huge thing in our lives to be flexible i want you to have the last word and just say whatever you think the bottom line of this writing of yours is but i do want to just quickly say before that you've got one chapter that i resent the title of just a little it's called what to do with a husband <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also a bit about what to do with a part-time part husband, what to do without a husband. But what to do with a husband is really pretty important. And you have been so great. But there are days when I could have sucked you in the nose. I never did, but I could have. Maybe the arm a little bit once in a while. Is there anything in this book that you would write differently today or that you wish you hadn't put in it? 
No, my friend once said, Linda, you said too much in that book. You said too much. I you said, revealed no. too much. No, yeah, you revealed too much. I said, no, I, this is the way life is, and I suspect that's the way it is for others, too. So, so what's, the bottom, you, what's the bottom line? Well, just that we hope you enjoyed talking about this, no matter what part in life that you're in, of parenting and so on. The main thing really is you have to remember is to be a joyful mother of children. You may not be happy all the time, but you can be joyful all the time. That's right. Well, you can think about it and then do it at the end of the day. <laughs> or we'll the first thing in the morning. We'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.